Welcome to The Bag Drop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today, our guest is Spencer Hadleman, CEO of Advantage Marketing and founder of Talon Golf Company. You may not know Spencer, but if you're a golfer who has planned a buddy's trip in the last five years, chances are Spencer knows you. He started Advantage Marketing, which has become one of the leading golf marketing agencies, bringing a data-driven approach to their messaging and working with places like Sand Valley, Bandon Dunes, Cabot Cliffs, and now a plethora of emerging golf destinations all around the world. They are all doing the same thing, looking to attract you, the golfer, to their properties. And Spencer is the guy that's figured out how to do just that. As a native of Chicagoan, he loves to compete. Spencer brings a relatable approach to the game and his business. He views himself as the same as his clients, just another buddy planning his buddy trips, even though his foursome sometimes includes the likes of Steph Curry and Andre Iguodala. Speaking of buddy trips, we have a fun one coming up. Our summer medal is headed to Sand Valley in Lasonia, and this year's official sponsor of the event is Journeyman Distillery. Journeyman combines a passion for world craft spirits, the greatest game of golf, and authentic Midwestern hospitality. They create a destination experience with a full-service restaurant, award-winning event spaces, distillery tours, and tastings. My favorite is their 30,000-square-foot putting green that contributes to a full immersion of making and creating at Journeyman. Bill and Joanna Welter have been creating a 100% family-owned business along with an experience that can't be beat. If you're looking for some road trip destinations this summer, I can't recommend stopping at their distillery enough. If you can't get there in person, go ahead and check them out at journeymendistillery.com or say hey when we're up at the Summer Metal in Wisconsin. Now, without further ado, on to the show. Spencer Hadleman, welcome to the bag drop. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I'm going to get us started with you grew up on a golf course. I've become fairly um, respectful of. I, I uh, maybe didn't love initially, but it grows on me every time I've been back. And that's an old Donald Ross on the west side of town right here in Chicago, Oak Park. So I, I wanted to get, you know, from a guy that's played, what do you think? Thousands of rounds? <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, it, yes, it's definitely in the four figures, I think. But, you know, I mean, not only did I grow up there, playing there, the front nine was my high school team's home course. Um, you know, and obviously then as I got older, I, I joined as a member myself. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's many greens that I don't know every inch of and can read better than probably any person I know. So I, I feel, I feel very confident. There are many things in my game that maybe I can't go on a limb and be confident about, but green reading Oak Park country club, I can confidently say there aren't many people better than me at that. What do, uh, what do people not know about Oak Park as a golf course? Well, I, I think that one thing that's interesting is, you know, for those that love design is that originally a lot of people think of it as a tree line course and the original design didn't, didn't have trees. Um, and those were added, I don't know, maybe the 1930s. I, I don't know the exact year, but it was, you know, the course opened in 1914. And so a lot of people don't know that. And then the one thing on every hole, you can't be long, um, which is a pretty constant uh, with the Donald Ross courses that I, that I know of. 
And I don't think there's many uh, better private uh, options close to downtown and, you know, how easy it is to get there and you don't have to take the highway or, or whatever it is. And, you know, it's just, it's just a good everyday course. And, you know, I, I take pride in being a member there and, you know, I, I, I love it. And when I take guests out there, they, they all seem to have a really good time. I think that's a good way to, to say it in an everyday course. I couldn't see myself necessarily getting bored of playing that place. It's got a lot yeah. of, a lot of nuance. And I do, I see what you're saying with, uh, you know, a lot of those trees grew, grew, but I think you guys have done a little bit of a tree removal. And when you see it, it just does remind you of, you know, the, the forefathers of our, of our game or the links courses that, you know, a lot of our courses are at least designed of because it is flat because it is flat with a ton of little subtle undulations that, you know, Mr. Ross obviously put in there. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of nuances on the greens, a lot of nuances with the bunkering placement. Um, you know, I think they've, they've done a nice job in the last couple of years of, of, I think modernizing the, how a lot of people feel about trees, um, you know, and, and how it affects the course. And I think they're getting to a, a great place with, with that track. And, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about it for anyone listening. I hope that you all get a chance to come out and play it. There's uh one specific call I'll, I'll call out. Cause you know, Don Ross is known for back to front. A lot of his, his greens back to front. Don't be above the hole, as you say, which a lot of the, the holes are, but there's that little par for dog leg left on the back that has like a baby uh uh valley of sin right in front mm-hmm. 14 14 thank you does I, i've played it when the pin was up front and i just remember seeing some guys just have fits right in front of that green and i thought it was like the the cleverest thing ever does it come into play if the pin's not up front not really i mean i think the one thing about oak park is the the greens are so small and at the end of the day, unless you're a real, real stick, like if you're in the middle of the, all those greens, you're going to have a 20 foot putt, 25 foot putt for birdie in, in the middle, no matter what the pin is, front, back, whatever. Or if it's in the middle, you're going to have a very good. So I, I think that that's a lot to do with it. This, you know, compared to a lot of other courses, the greens are so small. So, you know, to be a good stick there, you really have to have your wedges and irons dialed in and you know, I think that that is, that's probably a nuance that, that I think is really important. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm loving having you on because, you know, you and I connected through the, the golf space in the golf sure. industry and some other folks that we both know in it. Um, but you, you founded Advantage Marketing, which crosses all, you know, array of, I, I know your clients, um, aren't just golf, right? You, you spread across sure. a bunch of different industries. So I was curious for a guy that you know, is a marketing executive, uh, what's it like working with golf brands versus all your other brands? Is there things in golf that are just so, I don't know, different, dated? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's what's making us successful in the golf marketing space is that, you know, I my background wasn't marketing. It wasn't in golf marketing and I didn't grow up in the golf industry. And so I took the lessons I had learned with e-commerce or, you know, education marketing or, you know, anything else. And I came into opportunities in the golf industry 
And I was like, well, why are we not doing this? You know, and, and I stuff that I thought was basic was was not being done. And so I think it's allowed myself and my team and my clients to 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 thrive over the last, you know, five, six, seven years since I've started working with golf clients because you know, there, there's so much opportunity and there, and it's such a beautiful sport and beautiful experiences. And, and at the end of the day, golf properties have such an advantage over so many other businesses because aesthetically they have the opportunity to have beautiful photography and videos and experiences that a lot of other businesses would crave, you know, and, and die to have those type of assets at their fingertips on their property you know and, and i think that that's been one of the, the best parts and you know obviously as, as a golfer my whole life you know being able to work with you know not only top golf properties and brands and everything i mean it, it's so fun every day you know it's like I, to me it's not even work it's just fun you know and you know, when you get the checks or whatever, it's like, oh, I forgot, you know, but it's, uh, you know, you don't even feel like you're working, you know, on, on those type of properties. And it, it's, it's really fun. Well, it's, I, I think you often, because mm-hmm. a few of those properties, I think I can let the cat out of the bag and let our listeners know, uh, a few of those properties are some of new clubs, absolute favorite. And, uh, and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter know that they're my favorite because I see them all the time. And every time I do, I'm thinking about you, brother. So I appreciate that. Um, uh, Dream Golf is is a client of yours, right? Dream Golf, yeah. the, the series of um, Kaiser own uh, properties. So that's Bandon Dunes, that's Sand Valley, and that's Cabot Cliffs. Um, yeah. What has that, I mean, how did, how did that come to be that, that you got it? In, in well, yeah, I mean, so, so, I mean, that's that's one of the, you know, best stories. I mean, I have such a unique experience because my first golf property that I ever worked with was Sand Valley. And so, so many people, you know, like in the golf industry, you know, you work your way up and, you know, versus whatever it may be, you know, I'm being thrust into, you know, the, the Kaiser's family's next project. And, you know, it was, an unbelievable experience. And, and the backstory is I had worked at a previous marketing firm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say which one, and, and they didn't have any golf background and the principal didn't. And, you know, I, I had pitched them on band and dunes because I had, a, you know, got a meeting with, with my Kaiser and, you know, I, I think, there just wasn't chemistry between my old firm and, and that. And I think a lot of it was the disconnect of golf and golf marketing, the language and whatever. And, you know, Mike had called me up and he's like, you know, if you're ever on your own or not working there, give me a call. And so when I started advantage marketing, I listened to all those people that said, Hey, if you're ever on your own, give me a call. And he was one of my first calls and he goes, well, it's, it's kind of funny timing because we're actually breaking ground in Sand Valley in Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, call, call Chris and Michael. Uh, I know Michael is a previous guest here and um, talk to them and tell them your ideas. And, you know, so I, I kind of started from scratch in terms of, 
what I would do to market the property and what I thought they should do because I never marketed a golf property. I just was like, okay, in advertising and marketing, this is everything I would do. And so, you know, Chris is very forward thinking and, you know, their, their family obviously has been in, in the entire industry. It's, it's been uh, amazing to see. And, you know, so, you know, Chris and, and Comper hired me to, to, you know, assist them with their marketing and, after like three months or so, they like, they're like, Oh, like, can you help us, you know, help the band and team as well. And, and then from there, it's, it's obviously spiraled into uh, a lot. And, uh, you know, now we work with 50, 60 properties, you know, probably by next year, it'll be over a hundred and throughout the whole country. And, uh, you know, it's now like, I can confidently say we're probably like the number one marketing firm for golf properties, you know, and, and, the country of the world. I, I don't know, you know, and it, it was just timing, you know, life's about, I mean, you're making your own luck. Right. But I, I think part of it was, I think there's a lot of people in the golf industry um, who may have like bad habits in terms of marketing. And I came in with like a fresh clean slate and was like, this is just, I know the consumer cause I am the consumer, you know, or, my father's a consumer or so I know the consumer and I just came in as a marketer and, and that's kind of how it's taken off. And it's been, uh, it's been an awesome journey and uh, I can't wait to see, you know, what the future holds with, you know, those properties and, and all the other properties that, that we work with that are just awesome destinations. I remember the first time I got coffee with you and we were talking a bit about new club and, and uh, I was asking you questions about the, uh, the consumer and I was uh, a bit taken back. I, I, I left that meeting thinking I had to do so much more homework than I had already done because you just knew the golf consumer and the archetypes of golf out there so intimately at that point. So now, now hearing from you that Sam Valley was kind of the first, what take me back to like, because I think a lot of the, that audience is listening, you know, to our show. And, and so sure. like, like, how did you get to know them? Like you, you said, you're the consumer, but, but really like, how did you get to understand, you know, their mindset towards, towards golf and how it's changing perhaps? Well, I, I think one of the benefits now of, of marketing is we're so data driven. Right. And so, you know, I, I talk about marketing, like it's sixth grade science class. Like I come up with a hypothesis and because we can track everything, right? I test it and it either works and we stick with it or it doesn't work and we change it really quickly. And I think that's that's where a lot, I think I'm good at what I do because I understand the consumer. And I think a lot of my hypothesis are not, they're a little further along the path of what I think will happen. And I think that you know, it's just analyzing the data, understanding the data. But I think it's also like when you are doing golf marketing and understanding our lack of attention span, you know, like I don't, I, I just know how simple the golf consumer is. Like people are like, wow, that looks really pretty. That looks cool. I'm going to text the guys I play with, you know, like it's like, we overthink it sometimes. It's like, I'm like, I know, like I have my golf, you know, group chats and whatever. And it's like the lack of details that are in those chats that are very 
oh, I've heard about this. Or I've talked about this. And that's all it takes for to get a group, you know, to come out to a property or, or to play a course or think of consider booking a trip somewhere. You know, I, I think that, you know, the majority of the consumers statistically are, are males. And a lot of them are in certain age ranges where they're, attention spans like i mentioned are just so short and it doesn't take a lot to get them to go to a website or start talking about a property or a brand or or whatever it may be so you know from that perspective i think that that's a lot is i just know be like the marketers who like are trying to like drill stuff into people like over and over in, in the golf world and things like that it's like everyone just needs to remember how short attention spans are that of myself included. So I think I read somewhere recently that 12 seconds is a good estimate for my particular male age group. Yeah, that that's probably right. I mean, your Gen Z is about six seconds right now. So that, you know, imagine, imagine my clients that we're targeting Gen Z people with, but, you know, that's, that's even crazier, yeah. harder. You got your hands full, man. That's uh, I, I had a question written down about Gen Z actually that like most of the folks listening uh, to this show and members of new club or their average age is 34, they're millennials by most definitions, um, maybe a few Gen Xers, but how's, do you already have your eye on Gen Z of golfers? I wouldn't say of golfers. I would say I do just because of other clients I have. And I think we will see how, the Gen Z generation evolves in golf because at this point, a, a lot of the dollar consumers that we're focused on are not in that gender and nor they're much more frugal Gen Z. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, from our perspective, that's not where we're at. I mean, if I was doing marketing for top golf or something like that, like I think it would be much more relevant, um, you know, or like a, a local nine hole or par three course or, you know, things like that. I, I think maybe, but I think for resort properties or, you know, semi-private clubs are focused on membership marketing and things like that. I don't think that uh, we're at that stage, but it's coming, you know, we're, we're going, it's not, not on my radar that, you know, but there's other things on my radar. I have to get through first and then we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. They're, they're not spending on golf just yet. No, no, no. Uh, that stick with the dream uh, golf brands. Cause sure. for me, you know, it, it doesn't take much, right. Cause I, I, uh, was lucky enough in, in college to, um, play all around the coast of Ireland and then going back to, to Scotland. So even at a young age, when I was home and I heard about this place called band and dunes, <laughs> all someone had to say was link links golf in America. And I, and I was there cause I had a, like, I had such a, uh, spiritual play, like mindset of, of links golf and I will do anything to go, go experience it again. And then when they said it was in my backyard up in the middle of Wisconsin, I didn't believe, I didn't believe you guys, you guys are doing a great job. I didn't believe you, but I, when I got there, I did. So I, I guess what my question is, is like how much of that, you know, most people I'm guessing, that get to Bandon or, or San Valley haven't been over the, the other side of the pond. Um, or maybe they have, what, what, like, do you guys, 
how much do you lean into links, links, life, links, culture? Well, I, I think, you know, with the brand uh, at a brand level, I think that the on-site marketing teams, I think that that's a big focus of it. Um, and both all the teams that, you know, the different properties are talented and amazing people and, you know, really, really get it. And I think there aren't many other properties that are better marketing and branding and then, than those properties. But I, I think, um, at my level where it's more focused on advertising and, and things like that, I don't think it's as much focus on links as it is. These places exist in America and it is once you get to the property, look at the beauty and the views and the landscape and, and the experience. I mean, there aren't many other places that, uh, you get to go in this country and you just get lost and you don't care about your, you know, being yourself unless you're taking pictures, um, you know, and uh, which, which we encourage. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, it's just something where there is a part of it. And I think it's more at the brand level that we don't want that we want to focus on links, but, you know, my, from my perspective as someone that, you know, was a consumer before I ever worked with any of those properties. I just, every time I go there, I, I just am so happy, you know, like you're just in a place where you're just like, this is so beautiful. And, and you know, you leave a city or you leave suburbs or wherever you live, it doesn't matter. And like, so I, I'll tell you, sir, like I went to the university of Wisconsin for college and, you know, proud badger. And, you know, when, when you go to Sand Valley and you step through the walkway to Mammoth Dunes T-Box, or you're looking at Craig's porch out at Sand Valley, and I'm like, how is this 80 miles north of Madison? You know, like, I'm like, I'm not in Wisconsin. You know, like, and I mean, there, there's so many other great courses in Wisconsin, but a lot of the other courses, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm in Wisconsin. These are amazing courses, but I'm in Wisconsin, and Sam Valley, I'm like, I don't know where I am, but I don't think I'm in Wisconsin. You know, and I think that that's, that's part of the aura. And, and obviously, um, you know, with all the properties, the, the Kaiser family did an amazing job just making it an easy, seamless experience once you get to the property. Yeah, it just feels pure. You know, there's no hassle. Mm -hmm. it, once you're there, it's just about you and those golf courses and your company, uh, who you're yeah. with. Does it, um, does it like you probably have, cause I, I'm thinking when you, when you mentioned people taking pictures, I, my mind immediately went to all the content creators that are out there in golf now. And like, are you a content creator if you haven't been abandoned or you haven't been to Sand Valley, you know, or does it, does it even count if you haven't had that canvas to create your content on, but like, what is there pressure? No, knowing that there's like so many folks out there that are, I mean, just photography alone, there is just really talented uh, yes. photographers that are, are turning their lens towards golf. So like, do you feel pressure for your, your advertisements to, to be as beautiful as what the, the, what the stuff that they're doing? Well, I mean, the, the reality is that we're, we're using all, all their work that we're contracting out with the properties. I mean, I, there are so many, you know, talented photographers and, and I had the pleasure. I mean, I know that our properties have worked with so many, over the years, but I just had the pleasure. I was at Paco in New Mexico. I don't know if you've been there. And so that's one of our properties. It's actually my little uh, Raven right there. So, 
but I was with a couple of photographers there, uh, Jeff Marsh and Brian Barnett. And I don't know if you know those guys, but I was actually with them when they were doing their shoot. Cause I just, I was like, Oh, like, you know, you guys are coming out and I'll just tag along and, you know, it, it, to watch them do their work, you know, and, and there's so many other people who are great, but I mean, they're so many people so talented and, and, you know, it, it is unbelievable. Like, listen, I would be lying if I like had any art type skills or camera skills or anything like that. And, but to just be able to watch people at that skill level and talent level work is, is unbelievable. And it is such a lucky and amazing opportunity that I get for my job to, to be able to watch these guys do that work and see the drones and, you know, the angles and, and just see how they look at a property. It's just so different than like how I look at a property and you, I'm assuming you look at a property and, you know, it's like, it, it's, uh, it's so many, it's really interesting. Like how many different ways that different people, depending on what they do in the golf industry, look at a property. Yeah. So those two names you mentioned, I'm big fans of their photography and I was pretty naive getting started at the golf business. Cause I, uh, got a nice camera for Christmas. I said, you know what? I'm going to take care of the content for ourselves. When I'm out there, I'm going to pick this up. I'm going to just become a photographer, you know, willy nilly, no problem. Yeah. Um, I got better, but I, st- I just see like, if it's really going to get to that level, I have to, I got to be all in. You got to fully commit yourself to that craft. I mean, it truly is a, a art form and you're right. I mean, those guys just see the world through a different, uh, lens no pun intended <laughs> yeah no they they i mean there's so many i i mean i could go through a whole list of people and i won't i won't but there are so many talented uh you know people whether they're independent or they work for publications or wh- whatever maybe but i mean there's there's so many and you know it's, it's such a gift to the industry what they're doing you know and and you know letting people just Anything that can attract people and grow the game, I think, is is an amazing thing to do. I, I think what's so fun about these properties, or what I'd imagine is, um, well, for for me, when I'm there, it's it. I know I'm there for those really deep uh, links experience reasons that I just am constantly chasing. I will, and probably till I'm dead. Um, but I see people that are experiencing this type of golf. You know, this minimalist. Uh, um, you know world-class architecture they're, they're experiencing it for the first time and what i think is is so great is like their reasons for being there were probably different than mine but we're both leaving with the same experience you know and 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 like you said grow the game i i think grow the game is a thing that you know sometimes gets a little misleading because you know what aspects of it are we doing i don't know if top golf would get somebody excited to go play green grass golf i'm not sure about that but i do know that if someone plays Abandoned for the first time or the preserve or the sandbox, they are going to get this bug that they're yeah. going to go, Whoa, that wasn't the Muni I just played. That wasn't, this is different. Why well, I want, I, I need to, they just appreciate the game itself so much more. I think. Well, I mean, I have this conversation with so many people. I mean, you, where the game of golf takes people to like obscure parts of the, I mean, the country, the world, you know, I, I could, confidently say i don't think i'd ever go to southwest oregon if bandon wasn't there 
you know, like, you know, like I, I maybe, but odds are <laughs> can I knowing myself. Can I tell you something? My sure. brother, my brother-in-law literally two nights ago was camping in Coos Bay and he didn't even know Bannon was there. That's absurd. I mean, that that's, <laughs> I, he told me and I, I, I wanted to punch myself. I was like, are you kidding me? I, I let you, he does play too. He does. I, that, that's on me. That's my fault. That, yeah. I mean, we need to work on your brother-in-law skills. I mean, that is, that's <laughs> maybe you should like for like Christmas, like order a banded hat or something and send it to him. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah. Like that'd be like a good, like slap in the face present, like a little <laughs> stocking stuffer or something. You got to buy a, a bigger sign off the highway or something. <laughs> I know. Right. Like, <laughs> no, no one's passing through there. I demand. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident if they're in the area and they have their sticks, they, their Google maps is taking them there. Yeah. But it's, it is, um, even you, your, your point on people aspire to these destinations now, right. It's aspirational. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of properties want to be there and there were other properties obviously that have more history and a track record that had a jump start on, on these properties. And, you know, they, they've obviously made adjustments and they've made changes to, to, you know, it's all keeping up with the Joneses. Right. Um, but I, I think overall what they, what it's done for the industry is like created these group trips, these buddy trips and things like that, where, that's a norm. And it's like, where are we going next year? Where are we going next summer, next fall, whatever it may be. And I think that that is, uh, that's helped everyone. I think overall, I think that, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's been so good for the industry. And, and I think like the camaraderie, the experience, like everything like that is, is just something that they've, they've changed you know, change the game in that way. And and now it's, it's, how do we raise the bar? I, I, I pay attention to all this stuff, probably too much, or my wife would say obsess about it. And I have seen this shift of these resorts that maybe some of them you work with now. So maybe there's, that's why, but you know, there's obviously been a shift in their experience at, at the resorts because you know, the dream golf properties and, and those that are similar have really raised the bar, like you said. Um, but the way they're telling their story is different. And that has more to do with your world, right? Like you're telling the story of these places and they're paying attention. And again, maybe they hired you, but I've seen this really distinct change. Does that feel, does a little part of you being involved in all this, does that kind of like piss you off a little bit or does it, does it just compliment you? No, I, it definitely doesn't piss me off. I mean, if, you know, I, I was, you know, 10 years ago or whenever, you know, I really started getting into marketing. If, you know, I would have a reputation in this industry for what I do, then like, how did I get there? You know? So like if, uh, you know, and I think whether, I don't know which properties you're referring to, but whether I work with them or not, I mean, the, the best compliment, you know, is, is, you know, that I'm trying to replicate what you're doing. I, I can't think of the phrase, but it's something cool like that, that I yeah. should know. I'm sure my high school English teacher is probably mad at me, but you know, um, something about you know, imitation. I, I, imitation is the finest best form of flattery. There it is. Yes. Right. So, yeah. But I mean, at, at the end of the day though, like, 
it's there's so many amazing places that people just need to go to and get to and you know like that's that's what it's about i just want people to know about it and have it be part of their group chats you know like when i'm doing my marketing and sitting down and be like this is like i don't necessarily be like hey at least when we're talking at a resort level, if we're talking about a daily rate or, you know, municipal clients or whatever, it's like, yes, our goal is to have them see the ad or, and book a tea time. But at the resort level, it's like, our goal is to get your name in the group chat. <laughs> like, you know, like the reality is like, that's our goal. Like our goal is like, no one sees an ad and books a trip for 12 people. Like, you know, or eight people or four people, like, you know, between, especially like, you know, your demographic, the average age is 34. So people are starting to have families and kids and, you know, coordinating with spouses and babysitters and, and travel, you know, so the amount of group chats that have to go on to get from the point of marketing to reservations, you know, like that, that's what I say in my meetings and pulling back the curtain, I'd be like, let's get them from an ad to the group chat. And that's what it is. We just want people firing out the website, check it out, you know. I I have to think that uh, New Club may have set a record for the most uh, mentions in a group chat because we have a channel. Mm-hmm. Our trip's coming up, one this, this month uh, to Sand Valley and one in December to Bandon. And they have their own channels. So we... Yes. we there was so plentiful the commentary that we had to separate them into their own topics. That's how, that's how much people love. Talking. Yeah. And, and that's the goal. I mean, that's, that's the reality. That's, and like, that's what are, you know, we're first talking about understanding the consumer. It's like, you have to understand, like, it's not like our e-commerce clients where it's like, all right, I saw an ad for a hat and I like the hat. I'm going to buy the hat. Like you don't need to ask, hopefully you don't need to ask your wife or husband for permission to buy a hat, you know, like hopefully, I mean, your case might be different, but. <laughs> hey, I, 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 it's just because I can't make a decision. It doesn't, right, right, know, right. I don't it's have color. to, I, I just, don't know. Like, <laughs> I just want somebody else to tell me what to do. Right. But in, in the reality of booking trips and group trips and everything like that, it's, it's the, the long sales cycle. The goal is. Let's get in the group chat. Let's get to the website. Let's get them excited and, and, you know, nurture that lead and that thought. I mean, that's the difference like between that and, you know, so many other industries is like in advertising and marketing, it's like I could reach the perfect person with the perfect message. who's so excited, but they're like, Oh, like I can't go. Cause I have three weddings and a bachelor party or bachelor party or whatever it is like but i'll go next year you know or like what but at the end of the day like you know that's still a win to me you know that's still what i'm looking to do and and you know with with any of my properties that's that's what you know to me is is the goal it's just you know be part of the conversation we had uh somebody on the show a year or two ago that you probably know is it's um mr kaiser's friend bob peel who was one of the original retail golfers, you know, going out with Mr. Kaiser, check, you know, giving feedback on the actual product, the golf course. And it was so interesting to hear his conversations, you know, about that 
And, and I know that, you know, that was such a, a golf consumer, right. At that at yeah. that time, particularly now he's, I'd, I'd imagine late sixties and his seventies, maybe. And, uh, uh, our generation, I think you and I are about the same age, you know, in the mid thirties, how, how, how do you see, cause I'm sure you're still marketing to that age group as well. Uh, how, how have, have things changed and have they not changed as much as we might think? Cause there's some obvious ones, right? We're more tech savvy. They're not, but how has it changed? Well, I'll, I'll tell you like my first start when I am marketing a property, the first thing I ask myself or my team is, is this a cart property or a walking property? And so the reality is, is that I have a certain age threshold. If it's walking only, that's my focus of where I place advertising that's at a different type of media consumption. Then if they allow carts and I'm okay, it's skewing over. And so that's, I mean, that's the reality is, is that, you know, with that's the biggest thing with age um, is the, you know, ability to walk 18, walk 36, you know, is it appeal? The amount of people who, you know, and again, I'm just looking at this from a data standpoint, from a statistic, there's exceptions to every rule. So when someone listening is like, well, my dad's 70 and he walks, you know, like, yes, I know there are exceptions, but statistically, you know, I, I think that that's something that has to be considered when I'm thinking through anything and it's, you know, which properties allow cards, which don't, you know, et cetera, because I think that that's one of the things um, that consumers ask first, especially, you know, with, with certain properties that I work with or don't work with. It's just, yeah, it didn't really occur to me that that would be just a simple limitation is carts and, and walking. Well, yeah. you mentioned uh, Paco which I, yeah. I I've heard of, I'm, I'm going to check it out after this, but if you, uh, if you been watching like the golf channel in Chicago or, you know, <laughs> maybe why you've heard of it. It's on and maybe that's it. Yeah, it's it working its way back into yeah. the, the central lobes. Um, there's a frontal lobes. I never know. Um, my, what, what are some other sleepers? And if you could skew towards the walking properties, I would, I would appreciate that. Um, of properties I work with. Or just just ones that that maybe aren't on a lot of people's radar, right? Obviously, we we all know the the advantages so, and values, but yeah, I mean Paco, I you know they got new ownership a couple of years ago, and this new ownership is so progressive, and it's so exciting what they're going to do with this property. Um, you know, historically, it's been very rated, very high, um, and you know, it's only twenty five minutes from the Albuquerque airport, so. I mean, for the Chicago people, I mean, it's a two and a half hour flight, rent a car, 25 minutes, small airport, easy. Um, and it, it's, I mean, the views there, I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, what we were talking about with Jeff Marsh and Ryan Barnett, and, I mean, their shots they take, I mean, the, so Denver's what, 5,200 feet up, mile high, right? So the base of the course is 6,500 feet. The highest hole is 7,100 feet. You know, like, I mean, if you want to be like, how do I, how do I feel like a pro golfer distance wise, go to, go to altitude golf in Albuquerque, you know, and, and you're just hitting bombs. Like you'd be like Phil Mickelson, just, just bombs. If, if your ego's hurting a little bit, just, yeah. just get on a plane, get out there. Yes. I mean, my, 
my dad came with me on my last trip and he just was like, it was like, turn back the clock, you know, time for him. He's like, Oh my God. He's like, I can't believe how far I'm hitting my four hybrid. And like, you know, I, he was just so happy, but you know, I mean, that is, I'm excited to see what that property does next couple of years. And it's, you know, I'm excited for a lot of it. And, you know, for what's cool also about New Mexico, it's 300 days of sun, you know? And so, you know, you go to September, October, I mean, it's still 70, 60 degrees, sunny, like it's, it's great. Um, and let's see, uh, Lac LaBelle, uh, I don't, have you been there? Yeah, that's been a, a staple for us this year. So, yeah, I mean, Lac LaBelle we've worked with since they, they opened and, um, I mean, I, I'm one that loves like undulated greens. I, I consider myself a good putter. So I feel like I'm going to gain strokes in the field on, you know, the greens like that. And it's, it's just fun. And it's uh, obviously for, you know, those listening in the Chicago area, it's, it's a quick drive. Um, I, I mean, as you know, like, and you've talked about it, I think on one of your last podcasts, but Lasonia is my favorite green complex is I think of any course I played and uh, they just did a really cool bunker renovation on the second on the other course um, so you know hats off to those guys forest dunes um, I love forest dunes the you know say so forest dunes and the loop and now they have the uh, bootlegger which is the part three course um, we actually just did their logo for that part three course and but I mean, the Forest Dunes, like the primary course, I think is one of my favorite courses. I mean, just, you know, I, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily, a, uh, I think the loop's probably an easier walking course. Um, you know, I think T to Green, it's a little longer on the Forest Dunes, but the Forest Dunes course is, I mean, I think an awesome track. And, I don't know. I'm probably going to forget some and be mad, but I mean, I think of uh, properties that I don't work with, you know, I mean, there, there's so many that I just think are so many great courses. I, I think that, you know, I'm just spoiled with, you know, like, like I think golf, uh, I don't know it was golf magazine or golf digest. So don't hold it against me, but they came out with like, you know, the top hundred courses you could play in North America. And it's like, I, I market 15 of the hundred, you know? So it's like, I, I you know, I'm spoiled, um, you know, and, and there's some others that you know are deserving to be on there. And, you know, so I, I think that, you know, my perspective is, you know, I, I know right away that, you know, when my friends like it here, what would they experience? What would they like? What would they not like? And, and so on. But I, I think that I, I love walking. Uh, I prefer to walk when I play. So, you know, it, it just depends, but I mean, there's so many great tracks out there that, that people just need to get to and, you know, make the effort to get to. On the, well, I, I those all, all those destinations, there's, a, you know, the difference in destination, but like a Lac LaBelle is pretty Metro area when you think about it. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, I, I think it's really going to be, very interesting to watch if there's more lock labels that start happening where it's taking those, those golf course design principles, even some of the marketing and storytelling principles and bringing them closer to the population bases. 
I, I think that, you know, now that golf's booming again, I'm sure there's enough to go around, but um, do, do you think like golfers spend where we decide to spend our dollars? I mean, we've already seen that younger generations maybe aren't joining private clubs as readily, which actually isn't holding true right now. They're having record, sure. record years, but do you think like the destination thing is, uh, is it, is it going to always be kind of just trend lines? You know, some years it's big, some it's not. And then uh, where, wh- what do you see as the future of golf? I guess is an easier way to ask that question. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, that's a loaded a, question. That's a loaded question. I mean, I think the question you're asking is like, you know, what's the future of destination golf or, you know, things like that. And, and I think the hard part is not getting groups or people to come to your property. I think the hard part is having them come back. So from my perspective, I don't, I mean, I think I'm good at what I do, but I don't think it's rocket science. And I think getting the golf consumer to be like, wow, this place looks cool. I want to try it out. I think I, my track record shows that that is something that can be done. I think the hard part is if, unless you come up with something new, like we have a new part three course, we have a new, you know, just another course in general, how do you get people to come back versus trying these other places that are all over the country? And that's, you know, obviously, you know, one of the issues that I think is, is more long-term the issue than, than anything else is, is there's only so many first time groups and customers. It's how do we get them to come back and, you know, so a lot of that's branding. A lot of it's remembering the experience that you had, getting people to bring their other golf group, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, I think a lot of that comes down to email marketing, social marketing, you know, following on social, you know, remembering the experience, the brand um, that, you know, you have that warm, fuzzy feeling. It's like, oh my God, I got to go back there, you know, like, and then, that's that's really what it is but i mean i i think the you know the future of golf i i think is it, it's in a it's in an interesting place i mean i i think that we're seeing this spike that is caused you know directly by this pandemic but you know so obviously there's ebbs and flows but the reality is is that has I know, and you know, and I would say most people who are listening to a, go- a golf podcast know that once you get the bug, <laughs> it's hard for us to shake the bug, right? Yeah. And so I think there are probably a lot of people who, you know, have picked up golf or got back into golf because it was something they could do socially during the pandemic. And then it's like, once you start doing it, like, you know, does it go away? You know, I think it's hard to, to give it up. And so that, that I think will be the most interesting is, is what is the retention of new golfers? What is, where are we headed with this? And, and I, I think that that's, that's what I'm most fascinated to see is because I think the reality is like, even if you get a 20% retention of new golfers that came because of the pandemic. I mean, between how that 20% will spread it to their family or their friends as well, who maybe I think that then 
golf's in a great place. So I, I think it's that's the part that's going to be we won't know for years. But I, I think overall, um, and I think just being cooped up and so many people cooped up, like I, I feel that people are just like they forgot how great being outside without technology is. Like, and I think you're like, wow, like this is this is what it was like when we were kids when we just like hung out outside. And um, I think that that's, that's something that we'll see what happens, but that's another, I think, positive consumer vibe that I would look at for the golf industry. Uh, Paco is on your shirt, right? The Yeah. The Raven. The Raven. Thank you. What is the hat? The hat is Talon. Talon uh, Golf Co. Uh, it's the next evolution of advantage marketing. And we are starting internal brands. Um, so in a non-golf related world, we, we bought a watch company last year, a small one uh, out of Canada called Volan. And, you know, kind of along similar lines of like movement and BMT, like that price point, simplistic look. And, you know, part of my business theory was, hey, like, I think I can run e-commerce companies out of my marketing firm without employees and overhead of, you know, my, of other e-commerce companies. And so I bought this small watch company to, to test out that theory. And that theory is uh, proof correct um, on a small scale. But then I was like, I felt there's a hole in the market, in the golf marketplace. And I, you know, of my company, you know, at least a third of it's made up of golf related companies and properties and things like that. And we have a whole lot of e-commerce clients. And so I was like, as a consumer, I was like, there's a hole in the marketplace for high quality, low cost golf gloves. And every brand that's tried to do this has disrupted with design and not really price. And so, you know, even as a man in my thirties, my mother will still buy me Costco three bags or she, she did before we started Talon. Um, and I've played some like nice places and really fancy places. And it's like a little weird, like wearing a, a Kirkland logo glove one year, you know, and nothing wrong with that. Cause I think it's a really quality product. That's and good. so, but I was like, that's just create high quality, low cost accessory brand with a cool logo. And that's what we're doing. And, you know, people love the product and, you know, we're, we're selling it, you know, mainly in North America and, you know, just at the website and it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's so fun. Like, you know, the feedback we're getting and it just, I mean, it just launched recently, but, you know, people love the product and it's, it's exciting. I mean, it's exciting, uh, you know, to have your own internal brand at a marketing firm and, take what I've learned marketing golf properties and non-golf e-commerce companies and, and kind of combining that to move forward with this. Is it, um, is it just golf gloves? Have you guys expanded anything? There we have hats, okay. towels, and flip-flops or slides. Um, it's crazy. Like I never, I, you have no idea. I think a part of it is the logo is really cool. How many people are buying these slides? And I'm like, I, it was like an afterthought 
like product to add to it. And I was like, I can't believe how many people are buying these slides and which is awesome. And, you know, it's, it's fun. And, you know, like the reason I like moved forward with this. So like going back to Paco, like I remember having this conversation with the ownership there about this and, you know, and at the end of the day, like people who, no matter how much, how little or how much money you have get very ticked off when they forget a glove or rips and they go in a pro shop and they're like, I need a glove. And the next thing you know, their account gets charged $35 or 30 bucks. And, you know, so my philosophy is like, that's let everyone spend money on like on the courses, on new clubs, on balls, on trips and everything else. And it's like a glove is something like, I just want you to have a good red leather glove at a low price point and and that's it. And so it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Cause we all get there, right. Where we're holding on to that you know, leather glove. that just needs to be put well, to you, sleep. You know, it's funny. Is, uh, yeah. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm assuming after I say this, other people will do this, but I think we're one of the only people that has a subscription model. <laughs> and, and it's like an afterthought purchase where people are like, but if it shows up in your mailbox and it's like a new one every month for 10 bucks, it's like, all right, well, great. Like, you know, and it, it, we're having people buy, you know, sign up two gloves a month or whatever it is. And it just shows up in their mailbox. And they don't think about it. They just put it in their golf bag and that's it. And, you know, it, it, to me, it's like, I'm not trying to like ever get into equipment. I'm not trying to get into like balls and, the, the cost of shipping it and R and D and everything like that. I just want people to spend their money elsewhere in the game of golf and just be with a throwaway product. Just be happy with it. Do you know what a cadet size is? Yeah. It's a little, a little tighter in the fingers. Isn't that right? I didn't know until I started this company. So <laughs> like, that's the funny thing, right? Like, so let's say take a cadet uh, extra large would be the easiest example. Right. So they take, the mold, the, the factories, the glove factories take the mold of the palm of an extra large glove and sew it together with the fingers from a large glove. So that's that's like what cadet is. It's like a hybrid of interesting. So if you have friends that have cadet gloves, you can make fun of them for having short fingers. So that's <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also had no idea how many people I know that's, have cadets. So it's, cool. I always I'm like looking at their hand like after they were their cadets. I had a I had a question for you about. And we'll go to now. It's about the the marketing of equipment because I know you, what you've done is mostly uh, resort based, destination based, you know, golf experiences. But you know, so much at least as like as a you know obsessive golfer myself, I see all these things on the golf channel, and and every time it's cringeworthy, man. Like if if PXG yells at me one more time, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna throw something to the TV. Or if the next uh, big brand tells me that faster, stronger, you know, all these things that I just know are empty promises. Like it obviously works because they sell a ton of product, but like, when is the golf world? And I don't want to, you know, I don't, you might already be working with some other manuf- you know, product type uh, things. You've started your I, own I, company. But no, like, yeah. I, you know, honestly, I mean, I'm not going to name the golf company, but part of the reason I did talent was because I didn't get hired by a glove company that should have hired me. And I was like, Oh, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. And I'm very competitive and that's part of what I do, but I'm not going to, you know, say why, but I don't work with any other equipment companies. I do work with um, summit brands, which is apparel. So that's like the parent company of a 
I'm actually, you know, zero uh, right here and uh, zero restriction, fairway green, uh, Pedratti, and you know, one other. So um, we do we do some some work with them as well. But I, I don't work with any equipment companies. But I mean, you know, I, I am pretty sure that the technology isn't evolving as much as the marketing says it is. Uh, but like we talked about before, the golf consumer is a very simple consumer and we've all like, I mean, I think a, a lot of it's like, you know, what pros are winning and playing with what. And, you know, I, I think of realistically, like of any sport, I mean, golf equipment, like endorsements are the most important of any sport. in my opinion. You know, like I think even more than, than basketball shoes. To to degree, I mean, relative. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I think that you know people have like prefer Nikes or Under Armour or Adidas or whatever, like with with shoes. But like if they like Nike, they're willing to try different Nikes. You know, like to be like this one fits my foot, but you know, I like it. You know, but I think equipment, like you know, I think the tour does a really good job of like being like, yeah, they're playing this, you know, they're winning this and, and everything like that. So from a marketing perspective, I, I think it's, it's unbelievable and, and they do a great job, but I, I do agree. I mean, I think that, you know, where I've taken, you know, the steps I've taken with golf properties, I would love, you know, one day to, to work with an equipment company and really like my dream client would be an equipment company that has a superior product, but people need to do it. I, I would like you made the comparison to basketball kicks, you know, and, and I would do I would give anything to have the quality of commercials because I watch a lot of golf on Sundays. I'm not throughout the week, but I like to tune in when they're deciding who's going to take home the title. Mm -hmm. And I would give anything to have tailor made commercials and Callaway commercials be anywhere close to the quality of Adidas commercials and Nike commercials when it comes to the, their products, because I, if you watch them, it's not about, it's, it's the aspiration. It's the inspiration. It's not about this driver's adding so much speed. And uh, it just drives me nuts, man. I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think that <laughs> the equipment world has got like so focused on technology and not on their brand. Um, and, you know, it's even part of, I'm not trying to like, plug talent anymore but like part of the reason like i love our logo and what we're going for is like i hope one day that people wear this hat or this logo like for you and i to go grab bars and uh, you know go to the bar and grab beers in old town you know and like so many equipment companies i've said this there's only one that's made it to the mainstream of social apparel wear and that's like a titleist hat and people wear that out socially no one's wearing Ping, TaylorMade, Callaway, Mizuno, anything else. Like they're not wearing, unless you're going to or from a golf course, you know, like I'm not going out with my buddies or, you know, on a date or whatever it is like, and being like, I'm wearing my, you know, Callaway thing. Like, I mean, courses have made it. Yeah. Courses. Kind the of, kind Augusta's of. made it, you know, like, but there's no equipment like versus like some of the, you know, cross life, you know, the Nikes and the Under Armors and so on that have golf apparel, 
like people are wearing in a lot of events, they're wearing golf related outfits, but no one's wearing these equipment logos. And that's part of the lack of brand marketing. The brand marketing. Yeah. Wow. That's, fa- that's fascinating. Are you going to, are we going to see now? I, I know you have some, uh, some guests that many of our listeners or some guests, some friends that many of our <laughs> listeners would be, are, are any of those guys, some of the NBA guys you hang around with and play some golf with, or any of them maybe going to be sporting some talent gear? Uh, I, I can confirm uh, one one of my best friends. Uh, I, I can confidently say that is uh, Andre Iguodala, who uh, <clears throat> most people know from from his days with the Warriors. But even before that, I mean, he had an amazing career with Philadelphia and Denver. Was on the Olympics team in uh, London, uh, and then just recently with the Heat. And we played yesterday actually at Oak Park. And uh, this this is a heart wrenching story. I'll tell you, it's a golf heart wrenching, not a life heart wrenching. <laughs> okay. He was wearing his, his talent gloves, thank God, and uh, he was in the middle of his lowest round of his career, and was one over on the 18th and the 17th green, about to go to 18th tee when the side the storm siren rang, and didn't get to finish it to try to birdie to to shoot even par. And uh, I, I feel for him, but I, I said, I mean, you're where, you know, first full round wearing talent and your lowest round and four, you had four birdies, you know, what's and, his, what's his, uh, uh, what's his index at now? Oh, I could tell you actually, because when we were driving home, <laughs> it started at 6.8 and when he entered his, it had to be because uh, he didn't finish the hole. So you have to do like a net par. So it ended up being like a bogey on the last hole. Uh, so he, he entered 74 and it brought him down to 5.5. Um, and so he, he's, he is, uh, you know, in the twilight of his playing career. And I think once he decides to hang it up, whether it's sooner or later or whatever it is, I, I think he's going to be a, a very good golfer. And uh, I mean, he has a lot of business aspirations. He's amazing networker and is big into tech investment and things like that. But, you know, he, he belongs uh, to a couple places in California and, you know, he's, he's going to, he is the bug more than any person I know. And, you know, between him and my father, it's like alarming. <laughs> you can, you can hear it. I've, I've heard him on some golf podcasts and you can hear it in his voice that he's just smitten with this game. Oh yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we do, we do fantasy golf together. Like we're watching it every week. Like, you know, it's, uh, yeah, he loves it. And, uh, you know, it's good. I mean, it's, it's good for, uh, it's good for everyone. It's good. I think also for the game of golf, when people see, you know, these accomplished athletes from other sports and they're not amazing at, they see how hard it is when you have such a great athlete and, and they love it and they love, you know, competing and trying to get better. And, you know, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's awesome. I mean, I've caddied for him a couple of times in the Tahoe celebrity tournament. And so you see all these great former athletes and it's like, you know, there's grinding, like, you know, like <laughs> it's just so funny out there. It is, it is, uh, it is cool because these are, like you said, they're at the top of their game. And I think golf, I think a lot of, um, on a non-celebrity level, right? Our friends that were accomplished basketball players or football players or whatever that are getting in the game because of the pandemic, man, it's, 
it's that pursuit. I think it's the chase golf provides that, that not everybody is into that. But I think like Andre is clearly into that, right? He is going to not stop until he's, I mean, we, he, he'll never stop. He'll probably strive to always get better. Yeah. I, I think if, if you're a competitive person, you have that competitive gene and you hit one shot on the sweet spot, even if you hit 99 others on the bad, on the toe, on the heel, whatever, you hit that one perfect shot and you're competitive, it's hard not to get the ball. Have you played with, so you played a bunch with Andres. Have you played with Steph? I have played with Steph. I played uh, a few times with him. Um, I mean, talk about, talk about a guy. I mean, one of the smoothest swings I've seen. I mean, his, his tempo, I, I don't think I've played with someone with better tempo in their swing than him. Um, you know, we've, we've played a handful of rounds and admit, like amazing person. Like what, what you see is what you get. I mean, the other celebrities are not like that, but you know, a genuinely like just good person who lo- he loves the game too. I mean, he is the bug for sure. And, um, you know, he also, uh, I mean, he played high school golf. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't know that, you know, so, you know, talk about like, you know, he's, he was a little under the radar, but you know, like in high school, he wasn't like some, like we talked about like junior phenom of like AU only and whatever, like he played high school basketball and he played high school golf. And, you know, I, I don't know if he played other sports, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's no different than any of us that played you know high school, high school golf. But I mean, he is a great guy. He's a great golfer. And, um, you know, I, I feel like the last time, last couple times I played with him, I feel like he's, you know, even taking his game to the next level. He's definitely, I don't know, you know, if it's his, uh, you know, simulator home or what, what's going on, but like, you can tell he's, he's definitely been grinding. It's, it's funny you say that. Cause when we were all, you know, thirsty for competitive golf on TV and they had that match with him and Barkley and, uh, mm-hmm. Peyton and, uh, was it Phil? Yeah. Phil. Yeah. Uh, everybody was, we had a little pool going and there's a little bit of new club action going on it. And I, I, my, my quote that everybody really enjoyed was, uh, I know personally well that you never bet on a plus one handicap with a day job. Now, if it was a plus three handicap and he's selling insurance, maybe, but it's a plus one handicap with a day job. This could not, I don't think, cause you can tell he's got so much raw, raw talent, but I don't think he's had the time to really like you know, refine, refined, you get it really tight, but he's got great hands. He's got a good tempo. Like he could, he could do it. He'd have to put in the hour. So. Yeah. I mean, you got, I mean, it, that just showcased the difference between pros and that. And like, I, I'm just, I mean, I'll flat out say like, he's the best player I've ever played with. And I've never, like, I've only played with, I played with a guy in a pro-am on the champions tour and he was like a Monday qualifier. And so maybe in that one round, like maybe he might be better than Steph, but that one day he didn't necessarily play that great. So I was like, still to this day, I think my answer would be like, Steph's the best player I've ever played with. And that just shows like then the difference between him and Phil, it's like, Oh my God. And I'm like, that's the best person I've ever played with. You know? So like, you know, and it's like, I'm around the game, you know, like, and, and how do we like, that just shows like, it bothers me so much when people like, give grief to these guys on TV when they screw. I'm like, you have no idea. And it's really just only about pressure. I mean, if these guys are playing how we play, like 
messing around and playing a ten dollar game or whatever. I mean, these guys would yeah. shoot fifteen under, you know, ten under, or whatever, like for sure without trying. And I mean, they're so good though. I mean, Steph is, I mean, unbelievable. His short game is incredible. Like, never seen like. Like if you saw him chip, you'd be like, I can see why he shoots ninety percent from the free throw line. Like, yeah. like there's, you just get it. Here's hands, man. You always trust a shooter as a as a golfer with a decent short game. Yes, absolutely. Have you? What's your? Because you're right about people picking up the game throughout the pandemic. I mean, I've had buddies coming out of the woodwork asking me about. You know, can I have some old clubs? Can I, <laughs> and I'm like, you really? No, no kidding. Um, do you remember the things you used to say to me as a part of the golf team? Um, but uh, I was wondering if you, if you have any good personal stories about people that have gotten into the game in your own life. Ooh, I I don't know. I mean, I I feel I feel a lot of my friends already were playing golf, um, but I do think there's a lot more people that have like. I didn't know they play golf. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, golfing somewhere. I've seen a lot more spouses and girlfriends get in the game than in ever before, or, or they were already in it, but they played like twice a year and now they're playing twice a month. Um, you know, and I think like there's, there's a lot more and, and boyfriends, girlfriends, boyfriends, I'm not trying to whatever gender. Um, but I, I think like that's, I don't have specific stories, but, I would say that that's the trend I've noticed more is just the frequency, like the person who plays twice a year is playing once a month versus, you know, it's just the frequencies picked up uh, overall. And that's just what I notice. or, or more people like you said, are, are asking you questions because they associate you with, with golf. And, you know, from my Instagram, they're like, they know that I play golf and, you know, whatever. So I think that that's, uh, that's more what, what's come of it. It's like, the, like you said, the questions you're like, I, I didn't see this question coming. <laughs> there, uh, my, my favorite was, uh, in our neighborhood, we live a dog walker, uh, <laughs> who, who's been he, literally, this guy's a legend. He's been a dog walker for 30 years. I think he said he's walked around cause he wears one of those pace things. He's walked around the circumference of the globe, like three times now. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, because you're, you're walking like, you know, 20 dogs every day. I mean, the guy's, guy's great. But he came up to me, you know, as I'm always walking around my logos and my golf gear. He goes, hey, do you play golf? And I said, yeah. He goes, man, I haven't played in, I don't know, 25 years. He goes, I think I'm going to get back into it. And I was like, you should. It's great. You know, you get outside, you walk. And, and he looks at me, he goes, no, I'm riding a cart, man. I walk all day. <laughs> But he, he picked the game back up and he's, he's, he's a cart guy. So he's going to go to one of your that's, cart destinations, but that's fine. That's Hey, I, if I walked as you know, around the world three times, then I would probably be in carts too. I can, I can actually confirm that public service announcement on this podcast that if I ever get to the point where I've traveled, walk the globe three times, I will become a cart golfer. I, I have to ask you uh, one Last question before we get to the 19th soul, which I hope you're familiar with and prepared yes. for, um, because my, my wife who you, you've met yes. where we met was the, uh, an organization that you're involved with. And so I was wondering if you could give us kind of a, a rundown on canine therapy Corps. I think I have that right. Yeah. Canine therapy corps. Um, it's an unbelievable organization. Our family has been involved for a long time. And it's 
animal assisted therapy. So I, I think maybe the name isn't uh, as a marketing person, the best name, because people sometimes I always get asked, like, wait, are the dogs like need therapy? I'm like, no, 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 no. The dogs are giving humans therapy. Um, you know, so there's, there's been a lot of studies that show between dogs and horses that there's a lot of benefits of, of, uh, animal assisted therapy, which is the, the medical term. And so it's uh, completely free to patients. Uh, it's a Chicago based organization and, you know, they, they work with, um, a lot of hospitals, rehab institutions, both physical and mental. Um, so they're not visitation dogs. These are actual dogs that are given helping assist with therapy. And so the organization, uh, their office is on Fullerton. They have a building there that does training and even if you don't want to be a therapy dog, they offer like regular training if your dog's acting up now. And, um, you know, but it, it's just so powerful. I mean, I think, uh, you know, for people that are down on their luck and, you know, I mean, luckily, you know, for myself and you and so many other people that we know and in the golf world that are in a good place in life, I mean, we're, we're so blessed and lucky and there's so many people that, that aren't. And, you know, these dogs, you know, are, they don't know, they don't know what's going on. They're just so happy to see human and get treats or baby carrots or whatever their owners uh, helping them. And, and what's cool is that, you know, all the therapy dogs are, are people's dogs, you know, like they're, they're pets. And, and so people volunteer with their dogs once they, you know, can get them to pass the certification test. So you get a great fulfillment, you know, for those that have dogs that, you know, are looking to give back and the other dog could, behave um you know which which is not a lot of people i know that we have some dogs that uh in my family that i don't think would are don't have the ability to pass the behavioral test but you know i I think that you know it's just a great organization and you know i I think that you know for anyone a lot of people who love golf have dogs and you know if you're interested in getting involved it's um website's caninetherapycorps.org and uh you know, any support, whether it's, you know, financial or just volunteering or coming to events or whatever, or just, you need your puppy trained. And <laughs> I mean, you know, any support is, is great support for the organization. It's a, it is a great organization and my limited exposure to it has been awesome. And I have this really annoying habit of ranking things. You mm-hmm. know, so, so I'm the guy on the trip that wants everybody to rank what's their favorite course. Um, and I have the, uh, my wife finds it pretty annoying. However, uh, I, I have her rank when I go out on a special date, which feels like we haven't done in, you know, a year and a half. But when we go out, I go, you know, afterwards, I'm like, so where does this rank? And, <laughs> and I think it's important for you to know, because you were involved with planning the evening, Canine Therapy Corps, when I took her to that charity uh, event, that's still her number one, because she spent the whole night... Well- Hanging out with dogs, you know, yep. having delicious food, having cocktails and hanging out with dogs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when we first came out with the gala, I don't know how many years ago it was, nine years ago, 10 years ago, but it's like, all right, like it, it's no different than me thinking how to market resorts to golfers, right? It's like, that's not overthink this. You have an open bar, you have food, you have dogs, people get dressed up and pet dogs and get drunk and have a good time and give for a good trip. And there's no sit down. DJ. So yeah, I mean, it's without a doubt. I mean, that's not overthink things in life. Like, you know, and that's, that's what it is. I love that. Approach. But 
I, I am surprised that I wasn't asked to rank my banding courses or other courses, you know, like that's I, I, I because I'm aware of it now. And I that's think the, it, the yeah. standard rankings. Yeah, I think uh, we'll leave it. We'll leave it. Everyone has their own relationship with those courses. Um, <laughs> but rank your dates, rank your best dates for me. How's that? No, no, I wouldn't make you do that. Yeah, that would be, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of them would listen to this podcast. Yeah, anyway, change, so we're names, good. change names, perhaps. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. They're not. They're not tuning in. My, my but my my wife is, and so oh, good. We, okay. we hit oh, we good. hit on the dogs. Uh, so the 19th soul. Are you ready for this? Yes, Spencer Hadleman. So I took 35 questions from the French novelist Marcel Proust. I adapted them. You know, he he was after the truest nature of the individual. We don't give a shit about that. What we're looking for is the soul of the golfer. So it's yes. 18 questions to reveal the soul of the golfer. Spencer, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, when were you the happiest as a golfer? Oh, uh, I could tell you when I broke 70 for the first time and only time. Uh at Oak Park last year, uh, not the tips, but the hybrids. Um, and I missed a four or five foot birdie putt on 18 too. So on the so, number then? So 69? 69, but it would have been 68, but I'm not going to, it doesn't matter. 69, 68, as long as it starts with a six, it doesn't matter. So yes, that, that's an easy, that's an easy answer. Number two, what's the scariest shot in golf? The scariest shot in golf. I. That's a good question. I. Oh, okay. I'll give you an answer. A very steep downhill putt to win. That's I've not had and, the answer. And that's a good one. And I, the, my, I guess my reason for that would be any other shot you're hitting, like you don't want to like, like you want to get through it. You want to do whatever. You're not really thinking you're just putting your best effort and hoping it works out. And the downhill putt, you have to be very delicate, but then you also like, you're like, I got to get it there to this is to win, yeah. you know, to tie. It doesn't matter because if you miss it, the next one's good. Right. Or whatever. That's but I, I, I think that that's, that's the scariest shot. I think. That is a sneaky, very good answer. Thoughtful, thoughtful answer. You see how my mind works. I see, see we're already getting inside there. Well, for all the people that think I don't, my mind doesn't work. You know, this is this is what I needed. This is the evidence. <laughs> this is the evidence. This is the test. Number three. What is your go-to order at the halfway house? Oh, well, pre or pre or post pandemic, because pre-pandemic they have at Oak Park they have these Ritz crackers with Mertz cheese that I could have 20 of them. It'd be unbelievable. Um, honestly, I'm not a big eater when I play. I eat a lot before and after that's for sure. But I like, I'm, I'm honestly like fruit cup, grapes, stuff like that. I just, I don't want to like feel full. I'm so I'm, I'm, bad at answering that question because i'm no, not no chicago bad. no chicago dog for you keep it light i'll do it right after the round i promise you but <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you 
<laughs> number number four, what is the trait you most deplore in your own golf game? Uh, I would say a lack of focus. Um, I think that like when it's important, like matches or tournaments or whatever, like I'm so locked in and focused and I'm just a good golfer. Then. And when it's just like fun and whatever, and like, I'm not like on my cell phone. I'm just like going through the motions. And, and I think that that's my lack of focus. I, I can't stand, um, you know, cause I don't know why it is, but you know, it's, it's just, uh, it, it kills me sometimes. You're not alone. You're, you've at least realized that many of us haven't realized it yet. Number five, what is the quality you most look for in a playing partner? Ooh, pace of play. Good answer. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't July, care. July is pace of play awareness month, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank well, you for that. July one. Good timing. Um, you know, I, I don't care if you're good or bad and I don't mind, like you take a practice swing. I don't mind if you look at a pot, like, but even just the pace, like between green to tea, like, you know, like between shots, like, you know, I, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and a lot of it just comes from being taught by people who teach you the game and, and the right way to do it. And so I, I think that that's, that's what I care most about with people I play with. It's important that cadence number six, what is the trait you most deplore in other golfers? Well, I mean, I, I could touch on it. <laughs> I, I guess I, I could say slow golfers, but I, I think even more specifically is people that take more than one practice. One. I, I, I can't, it's, it's unbelievable to me. Like, it, you know, like I, I don't take practice swings unless it's wedges or short game. It's the only time I take practice swings, no driver irons, anything, but I just don't think anyone that I'm playing with is a good enough person to take more than one practice swing. Yeah, I it, it astounds me too because I don't. And, and I don't care if you're on the tour and do it because you're not going to take that many swings. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Sixty-four <laughs> swings isn't, isn't going to hold up anybody. Uh, number seven. What words or phrases do you most overuse on the golf course? Uh, am I allowed to curse on this? Sure you can. Uh, let's see. <laughs> fuck, fuck is a lot. Um, my fucking right arm, my fucking right arm happens a lot when <laughs> <laughs> my right arm takes over my swing. Uh, uh to it. You, 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 you have a body part attached to the curse. Word. Turn your shoulders, you asshole. When I talk to myself. Um, those are, those are good. When you talk to yourself, are they loud outbursts or are they kind of under your breath? Mum, mum? Oh no, they're loud. Yeah. No, no, they're loud. I don't, I don't hold back. My friends make fun of me and I don't care. But yeah, those, those are, those are some of my favorites. Uh, number eight, what golfing talent would you most want to have? So that means I don't have it currently. Means you, yeah. For the most part. So Consistent driving accuracy, driving accuracy. Yes. I mean, if, if you can dial that in golf, is just su such an easier game, like everything else, like you're going to make mistakes everywhere, but if you're at least off to a good start, it's, it's, you're most likely going to have at least an enjoyable day. Stress-free at least number nine, 
making the turn. What is your most treasured golf possession? Oh, wow. That's a great question. And, and you can't say the Briggs uh, Bears jersey hanging behind you. You can't say that. No, I, I don't. Surprisingly, I don't have that much golf memorabilia. Um, I would say I have a, a seven wood that was willed to me by my late grandfather. That's a that's an actual wood seven wood that I when I was like in middle school played with. And then I was like, wait, I think I need to hold on to this. And that's that's somewhere I think at, at our family's lake house. But I would say that 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 would I think would probably be my answer. And and I think it's because like he was the one that taught me to play golf, and so. He was like an amazing dude. And uh, so I, th I think that would be my answer. It's awesome. Number 10, what's the one thing in your golf bag you should throw out? I don't have a lot in my golf bag, but probably my second pair of rain gloves. <laughs> <laughs> so I think after this podcast, now that I think of it, I'm going to go throw yeah, this out. That's a, maybe a bit overkill. Unless yeah. Yeah, I think I forgot about those, but now that I think about it, it's probably <laughs> that's great. Probably, it's good. It's good we're doing this intervention. <laughs> Number eleven. What is your favorite occupation at the golf course? Uh, my favorite occupation, meaning like someone's job. It can be either the people that work in that job, like the 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 job that people do, or a job that you've had. Even it can be either. I would say starters. And I think that's more like, you know, I feel a lot of people that are starters are, I mean, I, I think it's like one, what is their background? Like I'm always intrigued by this, like how they got to this point. And then two, they're, they are the like only person that 100% is talking to four, one to four people who are happy at that moment for sure. Yeah. Cause they haven't started getting bad shots yet. <laughs> So it's like the last person that, you know, that entire interaction is happy. Like there's no pace to play issues. There's no bad shot issues. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, how, how can you go wrong there? The starters do always have a story too. Cause it's, it's a lot of retired guys who have lived yeah. life, you know, they got shit. You can tell. <laughs> the, my favorite are the ones when you play golf in like Mexico and they're, but they're, you know, expats that are living there, either from Canada or here. And like those guys have stories. Like if you're, if you're a starter at a, at a course in, in Mexico, like, you know, those are my favorite people in the whole world. Yeah. Number 12. Have you ever asked another golfer for their autograph? Uh, like while I, after I played with them? Yeah. Just anytime. Uh, I have not, but I would like, I feel like I'm not against it. I just think I had to haven't been in, in a situation to do it. Um, yeah. but yeah, like, I, I think I, I feel like you've played some golf with some celebrities that it would have occurred. Right. I definitely have. Um, but I feel the celebrities that I've played with, I think, 
it's more like closer to friendship where like once you cross that threshold, you can't really you can't go back. You miss ask for autographs because <laughs> if you're an autograph seeker, then you're not a friend. And but you can say uh, for the canine therapy core. Then I would they I would say, can your foundation send me something? And that that has happened. So um I have no shame in asking for memorabilia for charity stuff at all, but not for not for my home, my home decor. <laughs> Uh, number 13, what historical golf figure do you most relate to? So they can still be alive? Alive or dead? Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. Um, some people say, and I don't necessarily agree, that I look like Brooks Kupka. I have moments where I look like Kupka. And I think also because he hates slow golfers that we have that relation and we also love other sports uh, and we have some friends in common. So I guess that, that, that would be my answer. I don't think the guy can relate to any of the greats or you know anyone like that, but I, I'll never yeah. unsee the Brooks thing. Now I get it. I see it. Yeah, I, I get that. So um, he, he's going to go down in history too, you know? I, of that's, course that's for certain so that's a good answer number 14 what is your greatest golf regret oh man um i would say not practicing more as a kid because i i think i'm pretty talented and i think if i loved it as much as i love it as an adult um you know, like obviously I had a pretty good high school career and stuff like that, but, you know, I think, I think, you know, I love baseball more and I love basketball more and, you know, I still play men's softball. I still play pickup basketball, you know, men's league, stuff like that. But, you know, golf is, is, you know, where I'm, I'm best at. And, and I think like the other thing is like, I wish, I wish I knew the mental part of the game, you know, and I, I mean, it's so hard for any kid. Like, I just want to hit as far as possible. Like, you know, like, and now it's like, even though I can hit it very far, like I like to work the hole backwards. Like, how do I get to the yardage that I want to, you know, whether it's a gap wedge or lob wedge or sand wedge or whatever it is. And I wish I just knew that, you know, but like, that's, I don't think ever going to happen because you're, when you're, we're kids are just like, I just want to hit it 300 yards. Like, I don't care how I get to it. It's like driving in 300 yards is no different than a basketball kid being like, I just want to dunk. You know, it's the same thing. Like, how do I get to that point? And that's, that's all I care about. Yeah. That's I, versus like, God, if I could develop my mid range game, my jump shot, like, versus like, you know, like I, I'm either going to dunk or not dunk, but if I could do everything else, you know, that's the, the metaphor there. When the, the, the phenoms, like there's phenoms that are just crazy talented that in every sport, right. That are their talent alone is out there. But when I see like a 17 year old kid who, who turns pro and is kicking ass out on these, these tours or, or makes a run at one turn and they're like strategically minded, like they, I'm like, what's wrong with this kid? Like, how can yeah. you, how can you at that age think that way? Like it take it took me 36 years to finally think that way. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, I think it's like all these kids now in so many sports, right. It's like, they are pros from an early age. And it's like, they're kind of robbed of their childhood. Like they're kind of robbed of like making the mistakes we made or, 
you know, learning or failing and learning from failure. And it's going to be interesting to see how like kids grow up these days. Cause you know, I, I think it's, it's so different. Yeah. And I don't think it's just like our generation being like everything. You're so different. Like, I, I think it's like, it's just weird that like people don't let people fail. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I'll give you another golf example is a uh, young man I was talking to at a course a couple, couple weeks ago, I was getting ready for a tournament. And uh, I was like, how you feel about, you know, your tournament in a couple of days? He's like, oh, well, I already know everything I'm hitting off of every tee. So I got a good plan in place. And this kid's like, you know, I don't know, under 15. And, <laughs> and I was like, well, how? And I, it didn't even occur to me. He's like, dude, Google Earth, man. I just, I took pictures of everything. I have it all planned out. Like I know where I can miss. Wow. Like, when I was 13, I was launching drivers into a, ha- a blind hazard, right? And just getting up there and being like, oh shit, didn't know that that was there. I guess yes. get this up and down. Yeah. No, I mean, that is yes. Yeah. That's it. When I was 13, I was very, very focused on other things too. Yeah. There are other things. Uh moving on to number 15. What is your favorite golf book or movie? Ooh. I mean, book, I'm gonna have to go with Dream Golf. I'll plug it. Um, I mean it's hard to beat that book. Especially if you've been abandoned and gone abandoned. Um, movie. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I think it's like maybe when I grew up, but it's hard for me to not love Happy Gilmore. Like it just it just makes me laugh and smile every time I think of it and the one liners. But I I do like. I mean, I know a lot of people love Tim Cop and Caddyshack and stuff like that, but I, I love whatever it is. I love the Legend of Bagger Bands. I don't know why. Me too. Me too. I know Matt Damon's swing kind of stinks, but I, I don't care. I still think it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a solid movie. Number what's your, what's yours? Uh this is not my questionnaire, sir. We're not getting Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> We're getting dispensers, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, number 16, what is your favorite hole in golf? You got some architecture chops to you. You've seen some places. What's your least favorite hole in golf? Um, least favorite in terms of design or least favorite because of difficulty. And it makes me cry. It's, it could be either. It's, it's personal. This is a very personal question we have, I think. All right. So. What's the short part three at Pebble is seven, right? Yes. Okay, then the hole that makes me cry is the eighth hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I like, yeah, it's not, it's, uh, it's, I, I think it's an amazing hole, but it, it's hit, just, is it the one that you tee off? Down? Well, there's a rock that like, it like tells you where to aim, and then you have to do the long carry to the green. Is it the uphill one? No, well, it's uphill and then, but you go downhill over the ravine. You know, you're probably, you're hitting a long iron in because you can't hit, you probably can't hit driver on that hole. And so, yeah, I just, just got your it's, it's just not one that I love. Um, I love it. Yeah, I can't, in terms of like holes I don't love in terms of design. No, that's a great answer. We're, we're, yeah. I'm number eight, number eight. Yeah, I don't even think I like, can look at a course from a design perspective. I'm just so focused on hitting tees, uh, greens and fairways. That I, I don't even, I can't, my mind doesn't think like that. 
Number 17. Uh, do you, first off, pre-question, pre do you listen to music on the golf course? Uh, I listen to headphones when I warm up. Okay. Uh, and I don't, but if I'm with a group of guys and they have a speaker, like I don't mind it. Like okay. it doesn't phase me. Okay. Well, it, it, the question has been, cause I've, I've found out from asking this question, a lot of people do not prefer listening to music on the golf course, which I don't judge at all. I think that's totally fine. Depends on the course and the mood of course. But uh, if you had one song to either warm up to, or listen to on the golf course one song for the rest of your life what would that song be wow uh i mean on the course oof, i don't know on the course how about warm up if you warm up with music what is it so warm up it's funny because i listen to like slow r&b songs <laughs> so like i don't i don't want upbeat stuff because i don't want caffeine and i want upbeat music i want to slow everything down. So like I have enough swing speed and power. Like I don't need anything else. Like slow it down. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I'll just, I'll just make, I guess if I have to choose one just because of our age, I'll be like, I'll make love to you boys and men, you know, cause that's what I'm trying to do with, with the golf ball shot. You know, it's just get so sexy with the approach shots and whatever. But I think, I think that has to be my answer. It has to, and it is. Yes, it's it documented. is. It's fine. documented in the internet it's forever. Hold it against me. I'll make love to you back, uh, boys to men. Sorry, boys to men. Yes, uh, we've arrived. Number eighteen. Last question for you, Spencer. If you had a motto, maybe you do. If you had a motto, what would it be? Oh, quit bitching and fucking adapt. Quit bitching and fucking adapt. Yes. I love that. Spencer, you yeah, I think I think just too many people like they complain and it's like, well, there's definitely complaints that are justified, but is complaining about something going to change it? Most likely not. But there are things you could probably do that to rectify your complaint um, that maybe you should do. You know, that's really good. Um, <laughs> There was before, I, I forgot to ask you this earlier, but I started Twitter like right around the time you and I hung out and I, you were one of my early follows. And one thing I haven't paid attention too much, but I remember you giving your old man a really hard time on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I was still doing. Yeah. Okay. Give me some background to that. So for, well, here's how I usually wrap up. How can our uh, members, how, how can they get in touch with you? How can they meet, meet you? What's the best way? Probably Instagram. Uh, my Instagram's SDH Life and Times Volume V O L One Volume One. Um, and you know, I, I put some good golf content usually on there when I'm places. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Twitter. I, I think my handles Chairman S dot. I don't know. Like, it's not like I, you know, I could be friends with any golfer. It's I don't use it really for commercial purposes. Um, you know, and our, our website's advantage, mrkt.com. But yeah, I mean, background is, you know, my dad retired uh, at a pretty early age and it was kind of like around when Twitter really started coming about. And he was a guy that like loves the newspaper, has like every newspaper subscription. And so I like explained it to him, like, you can kind of like 
consolidate new, all your newspapers into Twitter. Just follow the newspapers on Twitter. And you can follow the writers on Twitter. And like the sports writers will like tweet about what you're watching too in real time. And so he's like, oh my God, this thing, you know? And so <laughs> he just loves it. And so like, he loves like, and he doesn't have a lot of followers, but he just loves it. He follows me and my friends and my brother and his friends and they get in fights about the NBA or MLB or golf or he got banned. Like he loves Tom Thibodeau. He, and when Thibodeau was coaching Minnesota, he got like blocked by a Minnesota Timberwolves blogger, like that lives in like the Netherlands or something. <laughs> and so every time Thibodeau does something good, he's like, how can we back channel to tell this guy? Like this, this is like real, like, I, you know, it's like, how do you know your life is blessed? It's like, you know, these are the real issues that your family is going through is my dad is calling me to back channel a Minnesota Timberwolves blogger that lives in the Netherlands to let him know that Thibodeau and the Knicks are back. You know, like, I'm like, I don't know. Just, just, you're too much time to hand. I think that's what initially got me hooked was, and it's funny because he, I know he doesn't have many followers, but he's got spicy NBA takes and I'm, I'm out there. I love the NBA. It's my only like vice outside of golf. And so I think I really enjoyed it, but you put your dad on blast a couple of times and I'm like, Oh, this is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, luckily we don't have a lot of followers and I don't think we ever will. So thank God, but his new things, emojis, he loves like, the trophy emoji, the, the basketball flame emoji. Like he, he's been doing a lot of emojis. Lately. Awesome. And I think any of us out there who have tried to get our, our parents, you know, in, into the, the Twitter verse or the tech world in general can relate. Yeah. He doesn't know. He couldn't open up a Microsoft document. Like he couldn't open up a document on his computer, but he knows how to tweet. So that's not like, I don't want to give too much credit. Like he like can do, you know, he's tw- you know, tech savvy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God he can. Anyways, uh, Spencer, thank you for coming on the bag drop. Thank you for getting through 18th, uh, the 19th soul and looking forward to hanging out with you soon, man. Anytime, man. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we're at new club golf. This episode was produced by Mark Caldwell with research assistance by Jim Sitar. The bag drop is supported by members of New Club Golf Society and our official partners. Journeyman Distillery is the official partner of this year's summer medal at Sand Valley and Lasonia. Golf and whiskey go together like, well, the perfect twosome. My favorite is their Silver Cross. It's a name that hails from the medal given out at the early days of the British Open. This medal would later come to symbolize friendship, tradition, camaraderie, and spirited competition. In that same spirit, Journeyman has created a tradition they call Four Grains for Golf, donating 1% of all sales from Silver Cross whiskey back to the various golf charities and organizations that teach kids the game of golf. It instills in them its core values. Kids play free on Welter Follies 30,000 square foot real grass putting green. Not kidding, it's huge. Modeled after Himalaya's putting course in St. Andrews, Scotland. Journeyman has been distilling artisan spirits for a decade in their historic Featherbone factory 
located in the one stoplight town of Three Oaks, Michigan. They are grain to bottle, produce certified organic, kosher, and gluten-free award-winning whiskeys. And you can check out their full portfolio of spirits at journeymandistillery.com. 